Hey, welcome to another episode of We Have Such Films to Show You. Uh, this is episode 54. We're talking about uh, classic Japanese experimental cult horror-ish film, House or Houseu. Uh I am Josh Millard. And I am Yaakov. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. This is a weird-ass fucking movie. I, I want to... Yeah. I, I, I guess... I had not seen this before, and I don't know. If Me you neither. Had. Okay. No, uh, it was at a at a Metafilter meetup actually. Um, somebody who was there, I don't remember his IRL name, but he's uh, Smasuch, S M A S U C H on uh, Metafilter and Twitter, and uh, he suggested this and the uh, TV version of Langoliers, and I believe what it, uh, regarding. The TV, oh. TV version of Langoliers. You... <laughs> Which I, I apologize for being such a shit heel about it, but no, boy, it's I not really, a good. Really hated that. I really yeah. disliked it. Like I, I, I'm kind of interested in the idea of sitting down and watching it again just to verify that I still think <laughs> it's terrible. Like not, not that it could have no redeeming, you know, qualities or anything. But, yeah. but you know, I, I talked at length a couple times now about my feelings about Stephen King adaptations to film and TV, and yeah, I'm just, I, I doubt I will f- ever find myself find my way to a generous place on Langoliers <laughs> as a piece of uh, television film work. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I have, like... I, I saw it, like, as a small child because uh, it aired... Well, not maybe a small child, but Langoliers TV. Uh, yeah, it aired in 95, so it was 11. 10 or 11. Um, and I have, like, the I watched a weird, scary thing at 10 or 11 sort of nostalgia for it, but I feel like watching it again would verify that, no, it wasn't actually scary, and it was much, much worse than, like, my 11-year-old self thought it was. Because at 11, I didn't really have that, that, that developed of a concept of a good movie versus a bad movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh... Well, yeah, we're probably yeah. not doing that. We, we should, we, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about it sometime. If we talk about. It, I probably should not talk at length about something that I'm basically refusing to ever watch again. So, uh, but anyway, the, the, my point is that's a great pair of suggestions because there's a lot of like ways I could sum up a criticism of Langleyers that would apply just about as much <laughs> to this movie if you wanted it to, and yet this movie, I'm so happy I watched. Um, yeah, I, I, so I'm often like turned off by aggressively weird uh, Japanese movies. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, Takashi Miike. I've seen like a bunch of his movies, and some of them I like, but most, or, or you know, like a large amount of his movies that I've seen are just like they're too just weird for their own sake and not for any reasons. And this movie was as well, but it was also just so charming. It was, it was like, it was just an incredibly charming movie all around. Yeah, there's, there, there, there is no real sense of like self-serious pretension to this movie, and that's that, that I think that makes a huge difference in just sort of how I react to like experimental film, right? Like, 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 like and, and you know, I've seen pretentious experimental films that I've liked, you know, but. But there's something about, like, it's so much easier to not, like, be like, ah, really, about weird stuff in a movie that seems to know just how goddamn gonzo and wacky it is. And this is a movie that does not seem to be worrying too much about the idea that people will take it super seriously. No, no, it it, it sort of, like, almost insulates itself against that by just just being, like, I mean, a solid third of this movie is just girls hanging out and having fun. 
Like, yep. I'm going to say, yeah, like a solid, probably the entire first act, like, good half hour of this movie. There, It's it's just like a, a movie, a really weirdly shot movie about Japanese schoolgirls and their, you know, life problems and issues. Um, which was, and it's, and it's, it was fun to watch because it's shot super, super weirdly, like all sorts of, um, it, not a lot of in-camera effects, I don't think, lots and lots of like post, uh, like seventies, like post-processing. So, you know, like yeah, stuff lot. drawn right on the frame, yeah, a lot of, a lot of animation. cutting, um, yeah, like, the, like there was, uh, it's like, Oh man, the the opening scene to this movie was was really great. I think just as an example, um, you see uh, what do you, what do you call it? You see like a a Japanese girl, and she is, she's dressed. Um, I, I don't know if they're like Shinto or like traditional Japanese like prayer robes, or if she was dressed as a nun because there was definitely a straight up like nun and like a monsignor in this movie. So, I, but I'm not sure which, or was she dressed as the in, in like the wedding clothing? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. You know, dra- draped Just, in white cloth. Yeah, and like uh, standing shot in, in front like, of. Yeah, uh, yeah it's There's in black candles, and white. Candles, black and white. A soft focus, yeah. very romantic yeah. sort of. You, you know, know what it reminded look. me a lot of, and there was like there was there was a lot of like things that I can't tell if they were allusions to other films, but that shot really, really reminded me of. Um, have you seen Sunset Boulevard? I have not. Oh, you but should, I know of it. Everybody should see Sunset Boulevard. It's probably like, if I had to choose like two, five favorite movies, it would be like in my top five favorite the, the, movies of all time. And I've seen it many, many, many times. There's still um, a lot of like really big classic historical cinema that I haven't seen. And I should really like make a point of sitting down and boning up a bit. Like I would easily one, put that, that, that on the list of like, that's, that's yeah. one of those big movies that like, you know, and I just, well, you know, it's one of many that I still haven't gotten around to seeing. Because, you know, there's always a Krampus, yeah. you know. you gotta, you got to prioritize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesus um, Christ. But, yeah, there's there, there's a brief shot where um, the, the main character is sitting with Norma Desmond, like the faded uh, silent film star, uh, who is a, you know, ripe old 50, um, which was one of the weird things about that movie. Uh, but yeah, so they're watching like old footage of Norma Desmond, the character, which is just old footage of Gloria Swanson, the actress in like a previous one of her movies. And the shot is really, really similar to the shot that this movie starts off with, which is like the, uh, the girl looking like up, uh, from some candles, like in like a religious-y sort of vibe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so you have like you you, you have a cross cut. One of the cross cuts is between this and it, like the whole thing is tinted green. There might be like some um, what do you call it? Uh, not interference, distortion, like on it to make it like look like an old movie almost. And then it cross cuts between that and just like a a girl in a school outfit like taking a photo, and then. And then, like that entire, like it's it, it starts off, you know, the entire uh, the entire frame is like in that green with the candles, like in the scene. Then it zooms in to like a background, which looks just like a regular. It, it looks like a wall, like a tiled wall that's similar to the one that the other girl was standing behind. Um, but it's not. It doesn't match up. And then the camera pans across and fades the green until the part that was originally green where it started off is the correct part that's on the screen, except it's a regular color now because it faded. And it's, I mean, I'm not doing it any justice describing it just because of, but that is the first shot of the movie. 
Um, and it keeps doing stuff like that over and over again. And it doesn't. It didn't get old for me. Yeah, no. It, Did it, it, it. The movie is sort of like relentlessly experimental in a way that uh, you know, in a way, feels sort of scattered. I mean, it, it, it's not. It's not a super coherent no. narrative. Uh, but it just keeps messing around with stuff, and and that I think ends up being interesting rather than uh, you know frustrating. I, I I will say, you know, I, I feel like I, I said I could criticize this movie the same way I would criticize Langlier in some sense, but let's to maybe make a more direct comparison. I could also I had very little nice to say about Krampus, uh, and and Krampus is compared to this film a a much more uh, expensive, much more convincingly, you know, shot in terms of like camera and effects quality film. Uh, but Krampus is like really not interesting in its weirdness because there's nothing about that weirdness that seems like it was an intentional thing. It just feels like a mess. Whereas this movie, it's a mess, but it feels like it's kind of a mess on purpose, or at least a mess because they weren't trying to have it not be a mess. Uh, so the the the, the weird huge tonal shifts and implausible character motivations throughout and everything. It all just feels like, okay, well, this is just, this is the movie I'm watching. This is the movie I'm supposed to be watching. You know, something didn't go wrong in editing that left it looking like this. This is just, this is the movie that was made on purpose and it was purposefully made in this weird gonzo. Let's try a bunch of different things and let's not worry too much about matching two minutes of film up tonally because we just want to do another thing. You know, and, and it feels like such a part of uh, of the actual intentional process of the film that that it, it, it's fun to watch because of that. It's fun because you don't know what's going to happen, and not in like a thriller. Oh, what a tightly plotted strip, script full of twists, sort of way. Just like in a, you literally have no idea what the next thing that the per, the you know people making this film are going to decide is what's going to happen in this film, and that's 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 fun. It's it's refreshing. To just sort of like dive in head first like that. Yeah, and it's it, it's nice that the movie at no point like even like ever lets you develop the idea that this is like a a like a realistic port. It, this is like basically the opposite of a found footage movie in that <laughs> it is like so ersatz. It's like it's it's just like so like contrived, but not in a bad way. Like it's clearly like an assembled thing, like in the way that like a cartoon is. Uh, and parts of and there's the solid chunks of this that are animation, I think, like not um you know not like Japanese animation or anime or anything like that, but just like sort of i mean there's that entire train sequence which is like really yellow submarine, I think, yeah, um and yeah, and then there's other things like when the girl is like eaten by the piano uh that are almost like um like dolly surrealist sort of um like ex- really just like actual like straight up experimental film like i I've, I've seen like stuff like that you know like Buñuel or something yeah um and yeah so like at no point did, like does this movie let you think that it's going to be a portrayal of something that you could be like well that doesn't seem realistic because none of this movie is like remotely like real Yes. Uh, there's a really great shot. Uh, you know, my wife watched this movie and this made her laugh. Um, because, like, uh, this movie, they're, they're constantly using, um, like, drawn backgrounds that are very, very clearly drawn backgrounds, like mats. Yeah. That are not given, like, you're, you, you're not confused as to whether that's a 
mat or not. But they yeah, would... they're not they're, they're not trying to get away with a middling mat. They're just straight up. Hey, this is this is the background of the shot. Yeah, yeah, it's like like Lisa fucking Frank colors. But yeah, one of them is that they're standing in front of like some fake uh, or like what's clearly a mat of. Um, of like mountains and like just like a forest like mountainy scene and then the camera zooms out and it turns out they're standing in front of an actual mural at the train station <laughs> and then they get on the train and then that turns into like like a like a 75% animated thing with their just like them like blue screened into this animated train scene with like completely animated like scenery going by in the distance yep um so i, I think yeah like that on its own like tells you a lot about the movie I want to say, um, you mentioned the piano scene, and I should be clear, like, that is the one thing I had seen from the film. You know, there's there's been a couple of, there was a post on Metafilter about the movie a while back, and there was a fanfare thread more recently, um, and and I think in the context of maybe the Metafilter post or maybe some other post just about, uh, like, Asian cinema or something, um, House would come up and someone had linked to, I think, just the piano scene, uh, like, in a post on YouTube or something. Uh, and so I'd seen that and I associated that with a film and I hadn't been super interested in the film because I'd seen that and thought, oh, okay, so it's an older film with sort of goofy and not very convincing effects because it was like an, you know, small budget film in 1977. Okay. And, and I'd sort of left it there. And so I was really kind of surprised to see so much of the movie not be precisely that, even though it was also in a lot of ways representative of the feel of a lot of pieces of the movie. You know, yeah, this like is... I, I, the, the piano scene. It's like it's a uh, what do you call it? Uh, they have a word for it. Of just it was. It's a set piece. It's a set piece, but it's not like. Yeah, I wouldn't show this to somebody. I'd be like, oh yeah, the whole you know you got a whole movie like this. It's because yeah, it, you don't have a whole movie like that piano scene, which is why it stands out so much. Yeah, you, you, I would say you have about five or ten minutes of movie like that piano scene in terms yeah. of sort of what it's doing with effects and sort of a horror situation. But then there's like ten minutes of something else and ten minutes of something and and so much different sort of like there's there, there's just sort of weird comedy slapstick stuff. There's the the, the the occasional slaps into action movie kung fu stuff with kung fu. We should talk about. Uh, well, th- this is the, this the is structure of. The, yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. Go the, the, watch the, this. First yeah, of all, go watch this watch movie. This movie. If you're this listening is, to this and you haven't seen it, go watch. It. You, you can rent it on Amazon. That is how I watched it. I don't think it's on Netflix. No, uh, it used to be, I think. But uh, anyway, yeah, you go go rent it. It's out there. It's worth watching. This is not a oh god, watch it before you listen to this podcast because of spoilers thing. But it is such a weird, interesting movie that watching it to have yeah. a sense of what's going on is definitely <laughs> worth doing. Yeah, and it's um, really, really, really visual, and this is an audio medium, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, I, I will say this is not a film where what I'm going to talk about is the masterful dialogue, partly because I'm not really sure the provenance of the subtitles I Yeah, I'm not 100% with. convinced that what I watch this like what the subtitles read are what everybody was saying yeah like, i don't think it matters yeah i don't I, I i like like with all due respect to the director who is also the writer of this i'm not sure that this is really a film that's all that much about pristine dialogue anyway i mean there's a lot of just sort of teenage girls sort of talking about stuff and reacting to stuff in a way that you know feels sort of conversational i think if even if a little bit is lost in translation it's probably still kind of there yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I have this often, like, specifically with um, movies from, like, East Asia, like, Japanese, mostly mostly Japanese and 
Chinese movies because those are the most of the movies from East Asia that I watch, where the humor just doesn't either it isn't translated right or culturally it doesn't carry across well. Uh, specifically, like humor, um, and yeah, I, I feel I, I can't tell if this was one of those movies or whether they weren't like trying for like you know haha jokes and just like oh that's funny jokes instead yeah um or if it's just like if if this was absolutely meant for teenagers like the the age of like the girls in the movie yeah like or if it was like you know like you know oriented on the humor of like a japanese teenager in 1977 yeah yeah i I really don't know how much to say you know stuff in the film you know, loses something for me not having that context because it's it's I, I don't know because I don't know but uh, but I didn't get the big feeling like we were missing out on some key aspect by not being right. in there like it feels like right, a film absolutely. that's more about what's actually happening uh, on screen and you know maybe sort of the broader figurative aspects of that than like a specific yeah. you know moment in cultural time in 1977 Japanese youth culture or whatever um, but I'd be curious to hear otherwise this is uh, th- this is. I am surprised a- to uh, I'm, I'm surprised to find that I'm a little bit more intimidated to cover this movie than I thought I was going to be going in because I was kind of thinking, oh, I'll watch an interesting cult horror movie and I'll you know I'll have to say what I have to say about it and that's what's going to happen anyway. But like this is like this is like a cult movie. Like this is a you know it's it's 40 years old now at this point almost. Mm-hmm. It's yep. you know it's well known. It's been looked at. It's probably been like dismissed enough times by people like what the fuck was that that then there's you know other people have come back around and said well i'll tell you what the fuck that is you know there's <laughs> i'm sure there's a ton of really good thoughtful stuff the the metafilter fanfare thread about it is not super long but there's some nice thoughtful comments from a few different angles and people talking sort of about oh well there's this take on it and you know whatnot and i feel like this is all good stuff and i'm not going to produce most of that off the top of my head looking at this uh because that's not my you know strongest point in sort of like a first take on a film, but, uh, but I imagine there's a lot out there. So we'll, we'll come up with what we come up with, but, uh, uh, I, I guess I want to, you know, more than normal disclaim that I don't have the impression that I've, I'm going to crack open the secrets of this film or anything here. No, no, this it's, it's, I think it's in a lot of ways, kind of an opaque movie for s- uh, some reasons. One thing I did notice that, uh, Mr. Togo there, like hipster teacher, <laughs> Uh, in like that one scene that he's in, like actually with the girls, he's wearing like that long white like robe-looking thing. Um, I think that was like the thing worn by bike gangs, oh, like okay. the Bosozuku, like the the Japanese like teen bike gangs. It was, I mean, like um, you know, the the kids from Akira are an example of that. Yeah. And the band Godspeed You Black Emperor is based their name on. A like a documentary about the Black Emperors who were a a Bosozuku gang. So I think that w- that was supposed to like signify that he was cool, I see. and I caught that. Yeah, well, it's, it's just like yeah, that was a character who like getting a read on exactly how seriously we're supposed to take. Uh, yeah, I do them not I taking have no... him seriously as like you know a sort of like uh, handsome yeah. you know older man. And, I, and, and and I think he's like a like he's this weird like really like outsizedly wacky character, and that's definitely like a um, a stock character type that I've seen like in a bunch of Japanese movies, where like you have like one like really really off the fucking wall character who like even stands out in in their surroundings. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so I think that yeah, Mr. He, that he, was Mr. Togo. He, we keep coming back to him throughout the film, but he never like manages to really be in the main narrative of the film. Like he he just spends the film periodically. Into a stack tr- of bananas. Yeah, yeah. That's, apparently he turns into bananas at the end after shouting something about bananas, bananas everywhere. When he finds the watermelon guy, who's clearly some sort of goon or cooperating spirit or or something. Uh, working with a, a house or person. the ant or uh, the whole thing like this is such a difficult movie to like just like sum <laughs> up a narrative point on because like oh remember so there was the watermelon guy the watermelon guy who told them where the house is and maybe then he turned into a skeleton and then a floating skull at the end and then uh, Togo was shouting bananas bananas and then we cut away and when we come back when the new mom shows up uh, there's a pile of bananas in the car wearing his hat so I guess he turned into bananas because you know you know, like that. Maybe he's encased within the bananas. I don't know. I don't know. I think he <laughs> turned just... into bananas because here's the thing. The watermelon guy, the watermelon guy sells him a watermelon, right? And they take it off to the house. And then... Well, no, but then, the, the, no, I thought he didn't sell watermelon because Mr. Togo was like, I hate watermelons. The guy's like, what do you no, like? No, no, he's like, bananas. Not Togo. So, so, oh. so, so here's, oh. here, here, let me attempt to say, okay, here's a series of things that draw, <laughs> you know, a coherent thread through the, the film. So the girls show up. They're looking for the ant's house. Uh, they come across the watermelon guy uh, who uh, someone – I think Mac uh, was her name, her nickname in my subtitles, Maku. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and sweet, they don't the, the, the quote-unquote fat girl. Yeah, yeah. Who's a skinny girl with Mac, a who has rounder. the exact same body type as yeah. the rest of the girls and like a slightly chubbier face. Yes, but likes to eat. Anyway, so Mac – I think Mac picks up a watermelon at this watermelon stand when they're mm-hmm. standing around trying to figure out what's up. And behind it is the head of the watermelon seller guy. And he's like singing a song or doing some goofy thing. And they're like, oh, my God. He's, yeah, he's making like he, – he's, he's making a face. And it's yeah. – um, uh, when year did Young Frankenstein come out? Because like there's like a bunch of allusions to, to Western movies in this. And I think that might have been one of them. Uh, Frankenstein was 74. Young Frankenstein was 74. So that could be – yeah. Yeah, uh, but in any case, so so here here here's the step of of things. As I'm going to make an argument about bananas here, uh, the watermelon seller guy Mac, I think, picks up the watermelon, and then his head is on the shelf behind it. He's just standing there, but there's like his head there, right? Um, and then so she buys a watermelon, brings watermelon to the house. They're going to put the watermelon in the well to cool it off, I guess. Uh, Natural refrigerator. Yes. Uh, later, fantasy, who seems to be the one who. Uh, experiences firsthand most of the girl's deaths uh goes to get some water out and she's pulling water out of the well and instead of water she gets mac's head because mac has been implicitly maybe killed previously here so mac's head comes out and she's like "Ah," and freaks out and whatnot she goes back inside and screams no no, no. mac's head starts flying around around. bites her on the ass oh yeah that's right because because you know Gotta gotta eat. Yeah, uh, yeah you see, yeah, well, yeah. So they they pull the head out. It flies around, bites her in the ass, vomits blood, and falls back into the well. Right. And so so she goes in. They come out. They 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 trepidatiously pull up the well bucket. And oh no, actually, it's it's just the watermelon. It's the water. So they take the watermelon inside and they eat it, and it's delicious. Never have a good time. And then uh, the aunt, auntie, uh, she, you know flips a fantasy a grin when no one else is looking and like pops over her mouth a little bit and there's an eyeball and so she like eyeball her mouth looks around a couple times and so like there's this clear okay it's a watermelon but it's actually also 
max head, right? So they're all just sort of eating max head is sort of the, the, the leap here. So the watermelon guy sold a watermelon and then later max head is a watermelon. And so then we come back all the way at the end to the, the, the end of the film there with Mr. Togo showing up at the watermelon seller guy's watermelon stand. And yeah, you, know, you want some watermelon or whatever. He's like, oh, I don't like watermelon. What do you like? I like bananas. And, and he starts shouting like bananas, bananas. And then, uh, and then we see the watermelon guy turn into a floating skull again. We've got watermelon versus head reiterated a couple more times there. And then later we come back with the new wife and she sees a pile of bananas. So the watermelon guy clearly is in the let's juxtapose human bodies and fruits business. Like that's his yeah. core business model is soup, you know, you know, supernaturally freakily breaking down the barrier between our world and the fruit world. Like that's, 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 that's whatever very specific spirit he is. I'm going with, uh, but yeah, that's how the bananas thing totally makes sense because watermelons are heads and vice versa. And that's this kind of film. That's, 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 you know, I mean, that's the thing. Cause like you could look at all these disjoint things in this film and say, each one of those things is just sort of like a weird, goofy one off or whatnot. Uh, but then there is sort of this prevailing logic to things if you try and line them up. And like, I feel like I should watch the movie a couple more times and try and like work some of that more out because I feel like there's there's themes in here that I'm probably not nailing down yet. But uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, I think you can make a lot of connections after watching this movie numerous times. Which I'll probably watch this movie again. <laughs> it's it's not like it it wasn't at all like difficult to watch where you had to either like you know tolerate through it or or you know like keep your attention through it like it does a good job of like keeping your attention while not being like i don't know psychically exhausting yeah yeah um, no yeah it's 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 yeah it's, it's not it's not hard it's not it's, uh, it's made by the same studio responsible i mean it's toho who are like a big japanese studio but like they are very well known for all of their, you know, like kaiju Godzilla movies, um, and I think Miyazaki's uh, studio is part of their thing as well. Like they're a sub thing of Toho. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait. So why was the like ravenous girl named Mac? I don't know. I I think that that's probably a loss in translation pun yeah yeah because all the girls have nicknames there there's gorgeous who is like the main girl. i'm not sure they even had lick nicknames i think they had names like mac is literally th- sweet's nickname they call her mac her real name is sweet no no mac and sweet are two different girls are they well then what's hmm oh yeah, mac wait and, wait no mac and sweet are two totally different girls well then who is sweet because mac sweet was the one that was always cleaning stuff oh right 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 um, yeah, she was the one who, like, really liked to clean, and, um, I, she was the one that was, uh, she, she was, like, beaten to death by all of those, uh, mattresses. comforters. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, mattresses okay, or, so Mac or, was or like, Mac. down blankets. Mac was what? Ma- Mac was just Mac the whole time. Yeah, yeah, Mac okay. was Mac. So there's Gorgeous, there's Kung Fu, uh, Gorgeous, who is very pretty and, like, sort of the protagonist. And then turns into the antagonist. I guess I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to argue that 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 fantasy is the actual protagonist of the film. That's uh, yeah, yeah. She she definitely she, like has the most stuff. Yeah, to one. Her. She's the perspective character. She's the one who sort of like witnesses, you know, all the weird things and all the all the deaths essentially. Yeah, while everybody true. else always misses everybody else's pretty much. 
Um, so she's sort of present for most of the things. She's she's a consistent character throughout the film in the sense that she's constantly sort of observing and you know generally being horrified and freaked out and then disbelieved or dismissed. Uh, when that happens, so yeah, and she it, was the girl with the camera until like, and until the camera breaks immediately when they enter the house. <laughs> yeah, um, which then Auntie basically forces her to not be unhappy. About, which is such yeah, a yeah, it's just like, of, oh, don't worry about this. Just You're smile. here now. Yeah, yeah, just smile, and she smiles. Um, so yeah, we got fantasy and gorgeous. We saw at the very beginning, and then mm-hmm. there is melody, kung fu. Uh, Melody is a nice girl who plays piano and then gets eaten by piano. Kung Fu is a girl who knows Kung Fu and Kung Fu some stuff. Uh, Prof is the the smart one with the the glasses. Uh, Um, Mac is like supposed to be – she's very hungry and – or they they all make fun of her for being fat, but she doesn't look actually any different than the rest of them. I think I just mentioned that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I cannot – like all of the rest of their names kind of make sense. Can't figure out Max. We'll have to maybe maybe Max maybe that's what it is. she's like Max size. So maybe it is. it's like Big Mac. I was wondering about that, but like, wouldn't it just be Big Mac then? And even then, it it feels off uh, from the rest of the names to like go in the direction of like a product. So but I don't. Kung Fu is like I mean like a proper name for a thing. Well, yeah, but it's it? also it's kind of a figurative thing. I mean, it's not yeah, like I guess if, if it was Karate Kid. That'd be weirder. Although, also, that'd be time travel, so that'd be very tricky. Yeah. Anyway, yes, they all have these. I think I don't know. I, I, I guess I guess they're nicknames, but we never get any name names. And the rest of the yeah. movie carries such this on like like constant feeling of uh, you know not even like magical realism is not the right word. It's like 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 magical what the fuckery. You know, it's kind of like the feel of this film. Like, it really, it's just going to do whatever it needs to do and just don't ask questions, you know, about why it would do that because that's the film you're watching. Yeah. Um, You know that uh, at at the end of Blue Velvet, there's that, like, really weird, like, speech about, like, things being better and the bluebirds coming out and there's, like, that weird animatronic bluebird thing. I had forgotten that. I haven't seen that in a while. That's basically, like, the entirety of this movie is, like, that (laughs) weird definitely fake looking but still creepy bird thing um oh there's an evil cat or maybe yes, evil well, the, the, demonic it, it, it's definitely the cat is 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 a very central character in the film which becomes increasingly clear as the film moves along uh there's the 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 aunt's cat but it i thought it was like gorgeous's cat i think gorgeous no it, it turns up in gorgeous's room one day and she's like oh a cat and now it's her cat oh okay yeah, because she was definitely like comes into her room and there's a cat. She's like, "Where did you come from?" Um, and then yeah, and then when they get back to their aunt's house, the cat immediately like you know goes back to the aunt. There's actually a scene where like you know Auntie is like with you know going with the other girls and like wheeling herself out, and she's the first one to like leave the room. And the cat, I guess, is supposed to like jump in her lap, but the cat is clearly like underhand tossed <laughs> off screen into her lap. <laughs> Whatever works, you know. You just got to get the shot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a question, actually, for you. Uh, in my subtitles, the the cat was definitely named Blanche. Yep. But I've seen Snowflake as well as a reference. Um. Uh, I mean, maybe I could find like a reference uh, of what the character names were in Japanese. Yeah, it might be something where it's just like you know a name that you know connotes the idea of white cat, and you know you could. 
translated a couple ways or something. I mean, I got a list of the actresses and their names. So there's Gari. I don't know. I uh, so <laughs> one of them is definitely named Suito. So sweet and Kung Fu is Kung Fu. Um, sensei, I assume that's Prof. Fanta, I, I'm willing to guess that's fantasy. Seems likely. Uh, what is Gari? Um, or who is Gari rather? I Matsubara. Quality I, radio. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Hosu. <laughs> Oh yeah, great. IMDb just says, "Oh, she plays Gari." That's yeah. okay. And then, well. I, then, uh, then you. I click mean, the, on the, it. The, yeah. The, the 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 thing is clearly the names. It doesn't really ultimately matter if the names are supposed to be literal nicknames or like literal weird names that they have. I mean, this is not a film where you say, "Wait, but that's kind of weird that they'd have those names." You know, it's yeah, like no, no. Safely it, it, not you know worried like, about the, it the movie begins with like two girls addressing each other as gorgeous and fantasy. Yeah. So, so it, it's on board um, for it regardless. Yeah. Uh, I want to say about Mr. Togo just real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. He he really kind of looks like that Japanese Clint Howard with, you know, more hair was sort of Clint take I got Howard? Him. Clint Howard, you know, Ron Howard's weird looking brother. No, uh, I've never seen this man before. Oh, you have. You, you He's been in a bunch of stuff. Just just look up Clint Howard right now on, on Google. Looks like uh, Lennon. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's been in a bunch of things, even things that Ron Howard didn't direct. Um, oh, here he is as a Ferengi, probably. Well, probably. He, he's definitely a Ferengi-looking dude, as humans go. Um, I have never seen this man before. Oh, he's been, he was like in Apollo 13. Like, you know, one of the control room that, guys. You've never I, seen Apollo 13? I've never seen Apollo 13. How did that happen? Uh, we were like, going to go see it, but then we didn't. Okay, well, that, that, that's how that happened. I liked that the dad was just doing music for Sergio Leone in Italy. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little character. Like we we see almost nothing of Dad. He's in like the mm-hmm. opening, like we five we know of the he's film. in Italy or like abroad, and then we find out that the abroad was in Italy, and then and then yeah, she you know she they, they meet each other and they have like a tender father their daughter scene, and she's like you know how was your work or whatever, and he's just like Morricone. So, I mean, uh, Le- Leone says I'm even better than Morricone, <laughs> which is. Um, like- yeah, so it's just like, and, and then it's not mentioned again, like yeah. outside of the fact that you know, I think I think it's they're wealthy. Yeah, I, I think like one of like one of the other girls mentions that Gorgeous is like dad is wealthy. Yeah, because they were going to go on vacation somewhere that was apparently not somewhere as accessible for the other girls who were all going to go together to somewhere else. I think. Yeah, and then and then and then Gorgeous finds out that she's got a new mom in the offing. So I guess he met a Japanese woman in Italy while composing music for a spaghetti western. Um, but uh, and, and, and then he comes home with a new bride. And yeah, who's just weirdly serene and whatnot. And and so Gorgeous I mean, is like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go on vacation with you after all. Because well, first they seem to mom. like each other, and then something sets Gorgeous off, and I do not understand what it was, and I don't even know if there is something or if she's just supposed to be like you know a a a like a flighty teenager. Um, well, I mean, she's she's clearly not over her mother's death like 10, 11 years earlier, and yeah. so this whole new mom thing is like she's 
like 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 there i think there's a pretty good argument for this being like the fundamental like you know figurative through line of the film if it has one is the idea of her processing the idea of letting go of the death of her mom and confronting the idea of her dad having a new love and tie that all in with the idea of coming of age because these are, you know, adolescent girls. Uh, and there's a whole lot you can dig in on this uh, in terms of like, you know, coming of age and, and like menstrual imagery with the cat vomiting up blood uh, later in the film. Yeah. You know, so, so like, 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 and, and the film ends with basically the now apparently consumed and possessed as a some sort of spiritual physical vessel for the house and auntie. Uh, gorgeous is now sort of like not gorgeous anymore. She's instead whatever is inside of her, or maybe she's a phantom that looks like gorgeous. And the new mom comes out to auntie's house at the end, and they meet and they sit down. And there's sort of a reiteration of the handshake that was one of the weird little gestures right at the beginning when they first met. Right. Uh, and there's this clear sense that at this point, okay, gorgeous is not the gorgeous we started with. And this lady is probably going to be consumed by the same forces that consumed her. Uh, so figuratively, that could all just be a great big way of saying gorgeous has come to terms with the fact that she now has active competition for her father's love. And so now this is the idea of some sort of you know, whether literally reverse Oedipal or just more figuratively, you know, emotionally combative uh, stakes claiming in her face off with this new woman in her dad's life. You know, that 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 could be sort of the whole thing taken as sort of like a way of examining that and her turmoil. The whole thing could be a weird dream she's having that night, you know, if you wanted to look at it that way. Um, or not, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, the last scene of this movie where like um the 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 the, the new mom shows up uh and uh yeah, uh gorgeous who is now probably possessed by auntie or possessed by the thing that was possessing auntie or something. Um and it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not like a full out possession. It's a possession that like keeps some of the traits of like the original person still there but then just amplifies other parts and then also, you know, turns them cannibalistic uh, in, in a, like, a really ravenous sort of way, the, like the movie Ravenous, where, where they, they gain the strength of the people they eat. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so you, 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 she shows up and she's, like, wearing, like, uh, Gorgeous is wearing, you know, traditional clothes where before she was wearing, like, very contemporary clothes. Um, they all were actually, um, all, you know, contemporary seventies clothes, very, very seventies. Um, and then she just sort of like invites her in and then, you know, they, they're sitting in front of each other on the, on, on the mats and, and they shake hands and, and that's it. And like, I, I don't know like how much of an aura of menace the end was supposed to have. Um, or, 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 yeah, anything. I, I just, I have no idea how we're supposed to take, like, the tone of that, whether we're, are, are, are we afraid for, for, for the, for the new mom that, you know, uh, Gorgeous is going to devour her? Is Gorgeous, like, now, you know, cleansed of it, maybe, by, like, yeah. all of the other deaths? Yeah, is, is there any um, Gorgeous left, or is this just a figurative house spirit continuing its, you know, feeding... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the film, yeah, the film really doesn't seem to particularly because she definitely like comforts fantasy after you know they uh, like the 
the next to last girl drowns in the cat blood. Um, and then, and then I think Gore just does <laughs> rescue fantasy and just sort of, you know, like comforts her. Uh, but we're not sure whether but, well, it's, yeah, it, ha- it has a look yeah. of comforting, but at the same time, the whole thing's super weird. So fantasy's yeah. floating on a impromptu raft in a basement full of cat blood. All of the cat blood is itself pretty figurative because it looks much more like, like a sort of like pink, pink tinted water. It's like a rosé or something. Um, yeah, and they drank some of it in a very crimson peaky type scene where, um, like, Prof runs the tap, and like, not looking at the tap, she puts a cup under it, and it turns, you know, into blood. And then, not looking, she drinks from it, and then it just cuts. Yeah, uh, which I thought was pretty clever that they <laughs> you, you never actually get that reaction. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so but yeah, so so she's she's yeah. on this raft in this mm-hmm. basement full of blood. She climbs up onto the stairs. To where Gorgeous is, who she he she's clearly just saying, "Oh, it's my friend Gorgeous. Thank God I'm safe." Whereas the viewer can clearly see this is a weird spaced out. This is not, and Gorgeous has already been weird for like the last third of the film. Like clearly, some weird yeah, ever since her possessed face falls and ghostly, off. and yeah, I think that was the big turning point was when her face fell off. Um, well, that, and that that whole scene with the the mirrors, I liked that, and I'll, I want to jump back to that in a sec. But anyway, she's she's. Getting up off the stairs and in one of the several weird scenes of just like casual, not quite exploitative, but also not quite clear why it's there, teenage nudity, uh, like pulls herself up off the raft and onto the stairs by grabbing uh, Gorgeous by the dress and basically pulling it forward and sort of like pulls the front half off. And then she crawls up there and she, yeah, she curls up on the stairs next to Gorgeous and sort of lays her head on her chest and... It's this very sort of, yeah, like mothering, comforting scene there. And then we never see fantasy again, and I think we assume that she too was consumed by the same process that had, you know, killed and consumed all the other girls. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of left there. So it's, it's, it does have that weird mix of, okay, well, this is sort of a comforting scene, but at the same time, it's clearly not like a comforting scene. And so. Right. Also, I don't think I want to talk about this, but yeah, I was vaguely uncomfortable with like the like the cheesecakey sexualization of girls that are supposed to be like in their mid-teens, I guess. Yeah, I was taking like like 15, 16 probably. Yeah, yeah. So it was I mean, they all end up like in various shades of of nude. Well, most of them the the toward the end like there there's a reason for everybody to end up without Clothes and and also, I mean the 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 the, the piano scene was was uh, it was it was really strange as far as that's concerned. Um, but yeah, yeah, this movie has a lot of that. It's uh, it's, it's what you, you you'd call it um, artistic nudity, I guess. Um, uh, like yeah, yeah, it never it never it doesn't get to like you know. Like American slasher film, like, hey, let's have a sex scene and then sort of thing. It's much more yeah, like, oh, yeah. here now and there's some, the, there's some bare breasts. But it's like also you just threw those in there. Okay, it's weird. It's hard to know exactly how to parse it, but, uh, but yeah, the yeah. the the music in this movie, the music oh. in this movie is amazing, and I'm not sure I precisely like all of it, but it is amazing. It's like there's a, really, a lot of very different kind of music. Yes, it's very erratic. Like like when we talk tonally uneven, you know, that's like 
it, at times the tone of the music changes in a very effective okay clearly something's going on here way but it's also it feels really like hey what should we do now I don't know let's do this um, you know what it really reminded me of like the changes in the music like when you're playing a video game that is either composed of different rooms or has like explicit like events where and then the movie goes from like background music of area to boss fight music like with yep. no sort of break in between them. Yeah, that's how a lot of this of... movie feels. Where it's like, all right, this is going to be a tense scene now, so you know, pump up the dun 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 dun. The, the um, first the first note I yeah. wrote for this film as I was watching it, and this turned out to bear out like surprisingly well for uh, first note on a film. Uh, as far as my track record goes, was this horror movie has the soundtrack of a disco JRPG because it's got this one hundred percent this like like the seventies sort of disco rock feel to anything that's like sort of a full band going, and then there's endless returns to this uh, basically you know uh, romantic piano late motif yeah. uh, that they use a hell of a lot in the film, uh, and then bring around to being an actual song a couple times at different yeah. points too. But then, yeah, weird piano yeah. music, strange sort of like a lot of synth-heavy jazz, yeah, like yeah. upbeat, like active jazz. Like um, we were, I, I was, I, I took a road trip with some friends once in Denmark, and we ended up like stumbling on a um, like in the middle of nowhere, like in rural Denmark. It was a a, a record store, and they had like you know discount CDs. We're like, hey, let's load up because we have a CD player in the car. Um, and one of my friends got was just like, he, he just got this like random imported like Japanese jazz thing. We put it in, it's just like, you know what this sounds like? The, the, the loading music to like any one particular Sega Saturn game. <laughs> like, just like that 90s era, like video gamey sort of upbeat, uh, high tempo like jazz that's not like, terribly complicated but also not very you know it's 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 not like a a you know a song with a structure or like it's not like a like a traditional like it's it's not a song it's it's a composition yeah um and yeah there was there was like there was a bunch of that in this and and i i i like those parts and then i the things i didn't like and this is i mean that you won't find a, i or a, you know i don't think you're gonna find like many movies from the 1970s where you don't get the 70s rock song inexplicably in the movie <laughs> with the lyrics kept in um you know but uh yeah those those were uh what do you call it those were those I, I i didn't like those too much but yeah they were not they were they, they were not as interesting as the the odd piano turns and whatnot uh, but there's yeah, two white people in this movie. Did you huh? notice? What, what? There's two white people in this movie. Uh, who were the white people? people? There was um, during like one of the rock scenes when all the girls are hanging out. They have like a you know a white guy friend who is like very seventy. Looks like he's you know extra from that seventies show. Just <laughs> real seventies sort of guy just hanging out with him. Another one. When we uh, first uh, the the shoe shop where like the guy and his daughter are you know like making the shoes oh, and, okay. and singing or like he's humming yeah or something. yeah 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 so as it goes to the left and there's like another guy who is like clearly a white guy who addresses the shoe guy in Japanese and then like you get like good morning in like four or five different languages as the camera pans up did you there was there was that as well yeah. Uh, where like yeah, like different characters just say good morning in different languages, um, but yeah, that was 
there was that, and like there was like a bunch of allusions to 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 Western cinema. I mean, maybe there was allusions to Japanese cinema as well. I'm not nearly educated enough to get those, but um, you know, there was that thing that you know could be for me and Frankenstein, maybe. Um, there's there, one of the shots when the girl's being devoured by the piano is a shot from her like. If you were sitting at the piano, this is how you would see the piano in a shot of her, like, splayed out backwards, like, like reaching toward the camera. And uh, have you ever seen, like, the, the, the classic movie poster for Dilem for Murder? Yes, yes. I, I'm relatively sure it's an allusion to that, because that, that poster is taken directly from, like, a scene in the movie, which was a 3D movie, so it's the scene where, um, oh, what is her name? Uh, the actress in Dial M for Murder. This is what people care about. The names of actresses in movies we're I'm not pretty discussing. Pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence. Grace Jennifer Lawrence. It's you know <laughs> Grace Kelly is being strangled to death, and like you see her like you know tilt back on the desk and reach out toward the camera. Um, and there's a couple of other things that I'm just like totally not recalling at the moment because I should take notes. Um, yeah. So this movie uh, has like. It's there, there's a bunch of like Western stuff in it that's in a very apparent way um, that you don't see necessarily in a lot of other movies. I, I had written down Japanese Sesame Street, by the way, for that scene we were previously discussing with the, the, the cobbler and all that. Uh, yeah. It just had a very yeah. feel of like that sort of thing. And again, that sort of like falls into sort of a 70s vibe too, I suppose. Uh, and that's that's where the bucket getting stuck scene was too. I I, I, the, I thought oh, that was a little the bit bucket later. scene. Did you want to describe the bucket scene? Uh, it's just like Togo gets he I, I it's this is like it's not even standing out well in my mind is exactly what happened. Togo somehow uh, gets his ass stuck in a bucket. He falls down some stairs. Yeah, and then he gets his ass stuck in a bucket. And then there's like an extended like stop motion scene. Yeah, it's like stop motion Benny Hill sort of like got a bucket on your ass hijinks. Yeah, it's like he's just riding around, like, on the bucket, like, up and down the street, and then he almost gets hit by a car, but then he avoids the car. Um, yeah, like, all of the, 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 the Mr. Togo stuff, like, feels like it came from another movie that I also want to see. <laughs> like, well, I want to see... So, 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 yeah. so uh, my wife was looking around a little bit and checking out some interviews on this, uh, and one of the things that came up is that apparently in an earlier experimental short that this director had done, uh, there was also an ass stuck in a bucket scene. <laughs> so that that it, it's in some way like bringing forth some previous work he had done, uh, but I'm not sure exactly why. And I think that the person who asked the question of the Q and A asked it poorly enough that they didn't really get an answer either. <laughs> so, but that's a thing, I guess. So there you so go. So he so so this is what what we're seeing is like him after having had practice doing this. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to make the best ass in bucket film I can. <laughs> There's layers and layers. Everything's a metaphor for getting your ass stuck in a bucket, though. Uh, the audio for this film kind of sounded a lot of it like it was recorded inside of like an abandoned missile silo. Like, There's a lot of like weird sort of reverb on stuff that sort of plays in with the weird playful camera editing stuff, too. So I kind of stopped noticing it after a while, but like right at the beginning, it was really really there and like everything was like done into a plate reverb or something uh the dialogue and whatnot it seemed like really echoey in a strange way uh it sort of jumped out to me the 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 mixing was off or like just did not i i couldn't watch this movie on my headphones and so the mixing was was like i had to turn it really down so you know because apartment building and um yeah so i i 
I feel like I missed on some of the sound stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the they, was, they definitely like. I mean, I assume that was on purpose. That yeah, it, well, I have to I, assume I so. Like, like, yeah, like it really feels like they like. However, however, totally successful it was, they were basically always really going for it with everything in this movie. Like, yeah. there's at one point uh, right after meeting her pending new mom, gorgeous, like slams a door on the way into her room, and there's a literal explosion sound. Like they put an <laughs> explosion for her slamming her door. And then she goes and pokes a piano that she's got in room. The whole piano is recurring theme throughout the film, along with like literally the recurring musical theme. Uh, I wasn't yeah, yeah. Sure they, to they're make constantly that. playing with like diegetic and non-diegetic music. Where like uh, there was like the scene where I think maybe Melody's like wandering around or something, and you hear like the 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 piano theme just played, you know, softly on the piano in the background, and then it stops as she stops in front of the piano. And then she starts to play the exact same thing that was playing in the background, except now it's diegetic. Like, it's not even like, it's not like the same, it, it, it's the same, you know, composition, but it's the exact same sound. It's basically they just started yeah. playing that background track again as she's playing the piano, but now it's yeah. diegetic. And they, they did a bunch of that. Yeah, um, the, the, the fil- like, and not just with, like, the soundtrack. The, the film, uh, at one point, they're, so they're hearing the story of Auntie, you know, Auntie's backstory about her, her fiancé who goes off in the war... And, and they're then, looking at photos, I think. I, yeah, they're I, looking I, at like black and I, white photos. Well, at least one. Well, what the film actually, yeah, there, there may have been there may have been photos that sort of segued into this that like Auntie was pointing at or showing. But then the film just goes into actual black and white footage, like of a flashback. But then the girls are all like like riffing on the footage that they are clearly all watching together, even though obviously yeah. that's not happening. Like, you know, and if it had been a thing where, like, Auntie had pulled out, like, a, a film reel and somehow showed things that would be yeah, impossible like for her to have on it. film. But, like, yeah, it's, so it's, the film just goes into this black and white, you know, B-roll, and then they're just talking about it. And, and the, the, there's, no in, there's, there's no attempt to make that make sense. It's just this is what's happening in the movie now. Now we're all watching this little movie inside the movie, yeah. and the characters are talking about it, and they're giggling about stuff and – Talking I mean, about- and it works because, like, we're watching the same thing they are. So, like, even if it's not like making a lot of sense as to why that's happening, you're still, uh, what do you call it? You're, you're, it, it, what their dialogue makes sense because they're, they're talking about the thing you are watching. Yeah, yeah. Even though it also makes no sense that they would be able to see what you know the film was doing stylistically. You know, so it's, it's, it's that goes well with the sort of collapsing of the barrier between the the diegetic and 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 exegetic you know mu- music in the film uh in a really interesting way so uh but yes uh man i'm auntie I'm, makes eye contact with the uh camera repeatedly yeah she once even like comes out out of frame and like i don't remember if she actually winks but if she did it would not have been out of place yeah, um, yeah when she it's, disappears it's into that. the refrigerator yeah which is great. She just sort of like flies backward into a refrigerator, and only Fantasy sees this, even though other people are in the room. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like three other people in the room, except they all turn around, except Fantasy, and Auntie is just like you know doing dance steps across like the room, and she disappears into the refrigerator. I'm like, wait, did I wait? Did I see that right? And there's like a solid beat before Fantasy screams, and is like she disappeared into the refrigerator. Where you're like, wait, have I gone crazy? Um, yeah, and the, and then she like, uh, uh, but and we're looking at this from like a vantage point of what turns out to be the rafters, and and then like you see Auntie just like sort of crawl across the rafters like into 
into the camera and then turns her face to the camera and smiles. Yeah. And I think that's maybe like the second time she does that. Like another time, like for, like the camera just zooms in on her as she's looking at the camera. Well, this is interesting because earlier in the film, she'd like stopped someone from opening the fridge and said, oh, no, it's broken. And oh, then right. that happens. Yeah, right. And then later, I think they open yeah. the fridge to see, oh, no, it's just a totally normal fridge. There's nothing in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, it, it's, it's a haunted house movie and there is a lot of, um, haunted like uh, not just appliances but like fixtures and stuff and furniture um, that has its own like not, not I mean not really has its own personality but are, that are definitely like you know imbued with some sort of life and I think that comes from a Japanese concept of like things coming to life after like a certain amount of time passes like very like like things like like household things like shoes um, it's oh, I forget what it's called it's um, it's a thing, though. Damn it! Yeah, uh, it's it's a type of uh, there, there. There's a name for like a general like class of ghost slash monsters that I'm totally forget, like, forgetting the name of. Like like Oni are the demons, and these are uh, yokai. I think that's yokai. They're called. Uh, but yeah, we yeah, see a lot of that throughout the film. Like the piano, obviously, is a. Uh, yeah. A big one, but yeah. like when they first get into the house, the chandelier like fl- fires off some chandelier pieces in a scene that like is the first like a sta- If you're still unclear at this point in the film, this is the f- scene that makes it clear that no one is going to have an actual like boringly reasonable reaction to terrible things happening because the chandelier like literally fires off like crystal daggers in several directions and I think like maybe Kung Fu kicks one out of the way and another she, one like stabs a rat. jumps like many feet into the air well over the heads of the other girls and like knocks it out of the air with a punch. Yeah. So um, it's like and, and then they're like okay well let's just move on. Let's go you know <laughs> do other things. Auntie definitely says something about you know you look tasty to Mac uh, before anybody's gotten eaten. You know, and then, yeah, and it, it and was. Then, I mean, it, it wasn't. It was like on like the the caliber of like Professor Skinner, like talking about where Uter went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like, he's in our stomachs right now. <laughs> um. Oh, I need to rewatch that sometime. Uh, yeah, and it, it, yeah, the, the whole film just sort of keeps going. Like, there's the freaky doll that coos your name. Okay, you know, we've got soft focus baby. Yeah, yeah, themes. that was totally unexpected. Like, you see Sweet go into like this little room that has a doll that's basically—is it hung from its neck? I, I don't. I I didn't. But that's that. like it's it's like a doll that's just calling to her, and then she comes up to the doll, and then you know we cut to something else. And then you, and then like the thing that's being set up is that she's going to somehow be murdered by the doll. But then no, like all of the like mattresses and down blankets and pillows come to life and beat her to death. Yep. And, and then the doll then is like maybe some sort of like figurative representation of. Yeah, it's her vaguely or implied that. Well, I mean, because they're just like, hey, you know, here's all of uh, here's all of Sweet's clothes, but we're Sweet, and hey, here's this doll, and the doll's naked, but the doll was already naked when Sweet found it. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if like the girls were supposed to be making a mistake or if like I'm missing a thing. Yeah, I, I didn't um, understand it. Like that she'd cons- like her clothes were conspicuously not with her. Melody just straight up smells sweets underwear at some point. Yeah, yeah, like, and then she's just like, weird. oh, these like, smell oh, terrible. <laughs> oh no. Uh, there's a. <laughs> There was a there was a tiny little throwaway thing where Gorgeous I think was in the bath and like some creepy black hair starts creeping up her shoulder from behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just goes away and nothing comes back from that, you know. 
she, uh, and just, she notices it. She like looks around and she's just like, "Was that an illusion, or, or, or something like that, uh, or a hallucination?" She's, no, I think she says illusion. Kung Fu um, gets attacked by like flaming pieces of wood that she'd just been splitting, and then sort of like takes care of that. She's like, "Well, yeah. okay." Yeah, no, yeah, they're uh, they like she she's splitting a bunch of wood, and like the like the wood thing she just splits, like the wood things turn upright and then start like making like Jawa noises. Just like, you know, gibberishy like sort of things, and then they all attack her and she beats them all off and then she's done and for some reason she's like incredibly sweaty. Yes. And I did not I mean well, was I, th- that I think to she be was because sweaty because like she like maybe it was warm out and she'd been chopping some wood, so I, she'd also oh, sort yeah, of yeah, she'd yeah, been wearing like like sort of green fatigues looking almost outfit yeah. earlier in the film and then at that point she's stripped down to just like a t shirt and underwear. Uh, I guess because it got so warm, splitting the wood, and then she fights the wood, and then then that, that's that's that. And she like, spends you know, the rest of like the movie just in her underwear. Yeah, and she um, ends up dying by accidentally jumping into a light fixture. Yeah, like, well, no, I think I think she jumped and like the light fixture actively like attacked her. Oh, did it? okay. So she she gets yeah. mostly sucked into that, but then she, I mean, it seems like she definitely dies and gets sort of bitten half essentially by the light fixture. Yeah. Uh, you know, in not in not very clearly, you know, uh, portrayed. Uh, yeah, we're not effect. sure why or like her torso becomes yeah. like separated from her legs, but, but her legs her legs still fly, alive. Yeah, her legs fly away from the light fixture, and Karate Kick the the painting of the the witch cat mm-hmm. is a thing that happens, and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it, again, it's just it's it's just totally Gonzo, and and she she literally. Earlier, before she gets killed and then kicks the painting with her legs, uh, just kicks a lot of stuff in the film. And it always yeah. goes like action movie. Like, it's like, okay, and now someone's kung fuing something. And, and then it just goes back to whatever it was doing. Uh, it's not totally clear that anybody needed to kick some of the things she kicks. Like, she kicks like a cupboard door at one point, which is okay. But, uh, she tries to kick their way out of the house, like after the house closes in on them. Oh yeah, uh, and then that doesn't work. Which is like the you know like alien has to prove to be tough, so he beats up Worf sort of thing. It's like, well, the kung fu girl couldn't get through, so I guess we're stuck in here. Also, there's a skeleton, a skeleton that I mm-hmm. guess uh, uh, auntie's uh, I, auntie's dad, maybe I think grandpa I, uh, was a doctor, um, and so well, I think it was. I don't. So I mean, they mentioned that it it was his, but is it him or yeah, was it know. just like? Because they also don't make it clear whether that's a real skeleton yeah. or not. Uh, we should does, be clear. It, looks it did, super fake. It, yeah, it did not look like a real skeleton, but yeah. this movie that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But the skeleton yeah. ends up dancing like she's dancing. Auntie's mm-hmm. dancing with a skeleton at one point, and later in the piano eating melody scene, uh, when Melody's playing the piano, there's just like a completely normal shot like facing down the piano towards her playing and then in the background there's the skeleton just sort of doing a little boogie in the yeah background. like totally out of focus like deep in the background is like a dancing skeleton um and then yeah i think it's like when auntie disappears into the fridge and then we get like a like a small montage of her like appearing around the house and doing different things like up in the rafters then dancing with the skeleton and then i think like she's having like a fine dining sort of meal and she's eating like max hand or something yeah um. Yeah, that was yeah. So like, yeah, it's it's never clear whether she's like. I mean, she's definitely like both physically devouring these girls and um like 
you know, growing, like, from, like, the essence of having killed them. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of, like, regressing from being an old woman uh, to being yeah. more young and vital in a, uh, in, in a, yeah. In a, <laughs> I completely lost the word I was going to say. Um, anyway, yes, that's definitely a, there's definitely that sort of transfer of power and consuming of energy and sort of restoration theme that seems to be going on there, even though it's not treated totally consistently on the screen. Uh, like we still see sort of older auntie sometimes too, but I guess it's more of a whole gestalt thing we're seeing. Cause auntie, maybe the idea is auntie's not even auntie. Maybe auntie's been dead for a long time and the house was just using the idea of auntie as the lure to bring gorgeous and her friends in, which also explains how that would even work. Cause like if this was an ass metafilter question and someone was like, uh, so my estranged niece invited six friends to my house for the summer without any warning, you know, you would get the most unanimous, what the fuck? No, you have to tell her she can't do that, yeah. you know, response. But instead, no, no, sure, yeah, no. I, the the way the, the note that uh, Gorgeous got back finally saying, hey, sure, uh, in the subtitles I had anyway, and again, it's hard to know for sure if this is subtitle issues or, you know, what the actual writing was, but it sort of read like, um, you know, it, it, it felt like maybe it had been talking in third person in a way that maybe this note wasn't actually from auntie, though you could read it as being like auntie referring to herself in the third person, but maybe it was someone else or something else referring instead that like, you know, auntie has been waiting for you for a long time. Uh, but I didn't know what to make of that exactly. Cause it yeah. could have been a note from essentially the cat or the house or the complex of whatever terrible stuff is haunting the house. Uh, that just conveniently counted on this young girl not to say, why would my aunt write to me the third person? Vacation canceled. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> I wanted to talk about talking about consuming and talking about like this, like we, we mentioned, and I said, I wanted to come back to this, the, the mirror stuff. I really liked this scene with gorgeous at some point goes and sits down at her aunt's vanity, I guess, you know, sits down and there's like a, a tri mirror, uh, vanity desk and she sits down and she pulls out some lipstick and sort of, you know, the, the, the camera, the, the, the movie meaningfully, you know, watches as she like puts on some lipstick and looks in the mirror and she's looking unhappy. And I took this as her sort of thinking about, you know, thinking about her mom, thinking about, you know, loss and whatnot. And, uh, again, probably coming back a little bit to the idea of like burgeoning womanhood with the idea of gorgeous is sort of like the most, adult of them in terms of like saying, okay, well, this is the, this is the one of us who looks the most like a woman. Um, but anyway, so th- you've got sort of the setup going on and in a melodrama, this would have just been a moment of like, you know, reflection or whatever, but then, you know, it's this movie and so it gets weird. And so she's looking in the mirror and the camera can see her and can see the mirror reflections in the various mirrors. And there's different reflections in the different mirrors. You know, it goes beyond just like she turns away, but the mirror doesn't turn. Oh my gosh, it's a ghost mirror to the point where there's also like, you know, a normal smiling reflection in one mirror and maybe her sort of somber looking reflection in one mirror. And then one of the mirror has this big sort of manic Dracula sort of like vampire grinning face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, it, was, it was definitely like a, like a demon, uh, demon, like big teeth sort of thing. I don't yeah. Know if it was a, yeah. And, and that, uh, of which that sort of comes back to the big grinning cat rictus that eventually comes through later on with a cat painting, uh, sort of ties those together. But, but also that as I, I think that was essentially the moment in the film where it seemed like maybe gorgeous turned, And I think that, you know, instead of being like literally consumed by a piece of furniture, like most of, uh, 
or at least several of the other girls, we instead sort of get the set of something's terrible and she sort of recognizes that this is weird. And then I think we just, after that, she's weird. And we well, never- the, the, I mean, then the uh, as she's looking to the mirror, the mirror cracks, and then her face. Oh, cracks. that's right. Yes, yes. So we get that transition with a mirror cracking, and then pieces of her face basically fall off, and instead we see hand animated flame or something, you know, under it. And then silhouette. she turns entirely into hand animated flame. Oh, and then at the end, she burns her. Like, uh, assuming it's gorgeous, she burns her new mother. Oh, right. I guess that's yeah. I guess that's like. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I, yeah, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be like some sort of, you know, if it was real fire or not, but like the room definitely bursts into flames. Yeah, yeah. It's not clear whether this is actually supposed to be something like, and now she sets her new mom on fire, or now we see the figurative burning in her heart, or, or what? Because again, it's. Yeah. It's not easy to parse out what's supposed to be real and what's supposed to be figurative in the film, and or whether any of it's supposed to be real. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought I thought that mirror scene was really effective. I liked that um, somehow that that got into proper creepy territory. Like like, there's really very little in this film that I was like creeped out by in a like actual horror movie creepy sense. But that was one scene that actually. Um, the mirror bits in particular worked pretty well for me. Yeah, yeah, th- that was that was like well done, um, like scary stuff. Let's see uh, what else happened here. We've got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the search for melody is presumably the name of a disco porn song we're hearing now uh, for something when they were searching for her. Uh, well, going back to Mr. Togo again, uh, when he's, st- I, I really want to see like the Mr. Togo, like there should be just a movie, Mr. Togo to the rescue, where he, you know, has to go rescue these girls, even though he doesn't know that's what he's going to do, and that he never makes it. Yeah, but yeah, well, there's a scene where he's, he's like a couple times too. At one point, yeah. someone says like, "He's a man after all; he can help us." You know, like yeah, waiting yeah. for Mr. Togo. And then there's like another shot of um, wait, who, which one of the girls is in love with him? Is it, oh, I is don't it fantasy? Know. I can't remember. But yeah, there's there's like a shot of him like dressed as a a um, dressed as like a like an English soldier or something like on a horse in a field, and he says in English something like "I've come like you know like my my beautiful student," and then fantasy or whomever replies, "My darling teacher," also in like very very heavy um, heavy accented English. And then there's like like credits roll or or, or something that like it, it feels a lot like the. Um, in Inglorious Bastards, like the uh, the Hugo Stiglitz thing, where you suddenly like get his name in big letters on the screen, yeah, uh, and Samuel L. Jackson starts narrating, like it feels like that, like like a very a very like you know um, cut that's conscious of the fact that you know this is it's it's like a me- you're, you're watching a medium, so they just go into like a thing of a different genre briefly, yeah. Um, but I- yeah, he's stuck on the freeway. Um, and like, there's a guy in what appears to be like a a a tricked out private bus in the back, like that that's honking at him. Like it's a guy, just like you know, like a tough guy driving like a a like a a bus that has you know, um, like it's it's got like uh, what do you call it? It's it's bedazzled like the 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 uh, like the bus itself is like a very very shiny like metal. And I think the windows are, 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 are closed, and the the rearview mirrors are bedazzled. Yeah. Uh, and I want. Yeah. I, what is up with what was up with that? Yeah. Like, is that just like that guy's bus? Sure. I, I at one point apparently between when someone says he's a man after all he can help us and the ensuing weird sort of s- slow blurred frame rate thing that they did for a while in there. Yeah, it was like um, the um, the in. 
is it Empire Strikes Back or, or, or Jedi? I think it's oh, Empire. Empire with a dream sequence, the, basically. Yeah, yeah, where he goes into the cave and everything like becomes weird, uh, like yeah. keyframey blur effect. Yeah, sort of a blurred ten frames per second sort of feel. They use ever well. Anyway, in between those two points, the, in between the he's a man after all line and that, I had written in all caps the words "the end." Did the movie? write a, the end thing or was that just me being sarcastic and now I can't remember because I was so disoriented by the film I don't remember what happens at the end I, okay well, I, well this wasn't was the end this was movie, before was the end I getting like progressively sleepier and sleepier <laughs> it has a way of lulling like the the, the, yeah. the lack of any sort of clear like rational through line on it makes it easy to sort of just get disoriented in a way that like it, it, it didn't put me to sleep but it definitely you know left me feeling like I wasn't really super, super alert. Like, I, I'm not surprised that, like, I'm remembering bits of the end of the movie, like, oh, right, there was a thing happening. Right, that that thing occurred. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's it, it's a strange thing to try and get through. Uh, anyway, I don't know why I wrote the end in all caps. Maybe I was making a joke. Maybe the film did something that that was a reference to. Note taken is difficult for a film like this. Uh, but there were... The editing in general, I really liked, I think the editing in this film is one of the strongest things, you know, in relatively subtle ways. It's just like, there's lots of smart uses of editing to make it a little bit more unsettling, a little bit more dreamy, to give otherwise pretty banal scenes a little bit more heft to them. Like right at the very beginning, the the film is kind of aggressive from the very start with this. And when she meets, when, when Gorgeous meets her new mom, that whole scene, like it's... It's like a two or three minute shot, I feel like, of just sort of like relatively static camera and and dialogue between Gorgeous and her dad. And then the mom comes out and then we start getting a weirder scene because like we we suddenly get this like, uh, you know, Vaseline lens shot of her serene new mom lady coming in and that whole thing plays out. But then we get her sort of reflecting on afterwards and it's replaying that scene. And then with cuts like the scarf thing and... uh, and the dramatic scarf throw that happens. And, and and so it sort of cuts back and rewinds and plays those things a little bit, a little bit later on when she's sort of being gloomy about it. And it's, it's, it's a weird, like it's a really basic reuse of footage and whatnot, but the idea of sort of revisiting angrily a fractured memory of a situation, like through a little bit of basic editing really works. And I feel like the film just does a lot of that stuff. It, it, it makes the choice to say, okay, well let's just cut this sooner than we would otherwise, or let's, do a weird sort of non-linear jump in this scene uh, in ways that like, you know, a lot of them were subtle enough that I didn't even write them down and I can't even tell you exactly where I saw them as well as I remember that early thing with the the new mom and the scarf and whatnot. But like it, it was something I noticed as a recurring theme. It's something that the film does well to uh, sort of embrace its surreal feel uh, through what's not even like, you know, any sort of camera trick or effect or anything. It's just straight up using a little bit of editing to set the pace and sort of unsettle the the viewer in a, in a cool way. So I think it's, yeah. it's a sort of thing that it's a lot more subtle than some of the really obvious notable things in the film. And so it's something that I'm glad to have watched this and seen that there was that kind of, you know, thought and interesting mechanical playfulness going on versus literally, Oh yeah, it's the movie where the piano eats someone. Uh, so I've definitely come through, you know, surprised at how much I liked some of the other mechanical things in this film, even aside from just how weird and, and gonzo the whole thing is. Um, yeah. 
I, I I liked that Togo got there and then didn't end up actually getting as far as the house or helping out. It's like it's a real uh, Scatman Crothers in The Shining sort of thing. Yeah, like he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Oh no, he's uh, instead of a, uh, an axe in the chest, it's uh, turned into bananas. But you know, either way, uh, there was um yeah I think like the there was like one more scene with him that was I think before he gets there is that he's eating at a ramen place that inexplicably has like a bear working at it like it's 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 like a ramen stand yeah. run by a dude <laughs> and a bear in a cost in a you know they're both wearing like chef outfits yep um and and yeah they're just they're just running this ramen stand um yeah I thought it was a dog, but I could see bear too yeah no it's like i i, I Again, I'm coming back to you on the I, – I would enjoy watching Mr. Togo come to the rescue as its own film uh, with just an hour and a half of his whole journey. Uh, like a road trip movie across surrealist Japan. There's, oh, a, there, there, there's, a, there's a point at which like huge lips just show up in the house and I think someone says, huge lips. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that goes um, to like the, the O as a mouth in the you know, cover art for the film and the sort of animated uh, title sequence. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's an eyeball in that just like when Auntie was eating the watermelon. Yeah. Uh, and opens her... Yeah, like the, the the house is a personified spirit, like I guess becoming clear at that point. And then there's this whole crazy strobing montage scene uh, with the I don't know the the girls are being attacked. The phone tries to strangle Kung Fu, and then Who, she kicks it off, and there's something behind it, and I don't know what that was supposed to. Yeah, be. I didn't catch it. And then she's like, she's she's booking along, and she leaves a person shaped hole in a wall. Uh, gets in a fight with the wedding dress ghost, gorgeous thing at that point. And then she gets eaten by the lamp and kicks the yeah. painting with her severed legs. And, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Gorgeous spends, like, a bunch of this movie, like, running... Oh, not a bunch of it, but, like, at the end, like, she's she's running she's running around in, like, full, like, like, like wedding dress that's, you know, like, it's, it's traditional, um... Yeah. It's not, like, it's not Western, like, a wedding dress. It's just, like, a traditional Japanese, like, ceremonial dress. So it's fucking enormous. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge dress and and, yeah. and you know white formal face paint and and so on, and she looks uh, like a ghost. Um, and and yeah, and the, but she's yeah. not. She's there. Prof gets like eaten by a thermos with teeth, or I couldn't tell what the thing was. Uh, yeah, I actually... don't know what it was. Like something was floating. Like as they're like floating on their like the, I think it's I think it's a door. They're floating on a door in like all of this cat blood that comes out of the painting after. Kung Fu's legs kick the painting in the face. Uh, like, the room, like, fills with cat blood, and there's, like, a floating thing. I think it's, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, like, a food thermos, because it was, like, it was really big. Yeah, I like, wrote down like, thermos with vagina dentata. Was Yeah. Like, at that point, I just wrote that down and didn't stop, say, should I watch that again? Nope, I'm just running with it. Yeah, yeah, and then she gets dragged down there, um, and then I think she just drowns to death? I don't recall. Yeah, I think maybe she sort of dissolves. It, that that's definitely at this point I was I was far enough into the film that like I don't remember exactly how they portrayed her death and uh, I'll just have to watch it again sometime to find out. Uh, like I'm I'm really just trying to page through this with you talking about it in retrospect. I feel like I kind of have to sit down and watch it again just cuz I feel like I'll actually be able to retain some of like the details here that are really I'm grasping at. Um 
Oh, and you know, I had forgotten also in that last that last little bit with Fantasy uh, laying her head on ghost, gorgeous, whatever's chest. Uh, I forgot that she actually literally says mommy at that point. Like it's, it's not oh, just yeah. sort of suggesting the comfort of it. Like at that point, it's just boom. Uh, like they're they're being explicit about the idea that it's sort of like fantasy regressing into this uh, you know seeking maternal care sort of thing full on and yeah and then and then yeah the new dad's new girlfriend shows up with her scarf and her soft lens or driving yeah, just a like convertible. really serenely uh, you know like driving twirls it, yeah. around toward the house um, and she finds yeah. the stack of bananas in Togo's car and doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem to phase her. And and then, yeah, she's wandering around at his house saying, hello, anybody here? And that song, there's there's a song about being a wife and moving to a house and let me touch your body. And the birds are singing are the lyrics to the song that's playing in the background. And then there's Gorgeous and they... And she's very, very slowly and maintaining eye contact the whole time opens, like, the doors to the thing. Yeah. Which I, I... I I assume I'm missing whatever that's supposed to be. Yeah, it was it was it was odd. It was just Very like deliberate. It was a long shot for you know a film that had been so full of uh, relatively frantic jumping from one thing to another. And then yeah, we watch her slowly push open one of the doors, and then we watch her slowly push open the other doors. And there's just no dialogue, and she's just like she's watching dad's new girlfriend as this happens and dad's new girlfriend just standing there like with her the back of her head the camera in the foreground watching it happen and then they sit down and then she like blinks her weird green witch cat eyes and figuratively or literally sets her new mom on fire and then there's this after that there's this like final long like soft focus slow-mo hair blowing in the wind shot of gorgeous just like uh, neck up, like seemingly like no top on, but like you know it's from the neck up, so it could just you know whatever. Um, and then there's this voiceover about love living forever that's like coming from Auntie. Maybe it's hard to say. So I guess maybe the house will always be in love and always will want to consume young girls, but there aren't any in the village yeah. left, so it's a good thing that all these ones wandered by. And then the credits roll, and everybody's doing goofy poses. And there's a big, uh, very 70s-looking drawing of a house on a hill that has big teeth for its front door. And there's a giant driveway of a tongue coming out of the the, the mouth. And it's a dizzying film is what it is. It's, it's, I'm, I'm really glad I watched it. I'm really glad we ended up doing it. And I'm really glad I came away with it uh, with so much different of an opinion than I thought I was going to have going in. Because I thought I was going to sort of end up watching this and saying, hey, you know, it's sort of a goofy, weird, low-budget horror film, and here's some things I liked about it, even though I thought it really didn't hold together. And instead, I'm like, you know what? I don't I don't know if on enough revisiting I'm going to think it holds together, so to speak, but I so don't care. Like, it's really, <laughs> it's so clearly not a film that I need to even, like, think about whether I think it's a sufficiently coherent and well-told horror story, because it's not. I mean, it's... No. It's so much its own thing. It's it, it, it's such an idiosyncratic uh, and 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 fun to sort of try and keep up with piece of movie making. Yep. And uh, is, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Heavily, heavily, heavily endorsed. Heavily encouraged. I'm. I, I think everybody should watch this movie. I don't. I don't know if it's. I don't know. Was it a horror movie? It was. It was definitely. 
parts of it were like a horror movie. You know, it definitely parts of it were definitely. I mean, like there were parts of it that were definitely parts of a horror movie, but then there were parts of it that were parts from very much a different kind of movie. Yeah, and like I feel like I feel like there's a question there, like. I mean, and the answer to my question I'll give up front is don't be a fucking dingus about forcing everything into strict genre trappings. But yeah. still, if you want to talk about what is and is not a horror movie, how much blatantly not horror movie can you throw in a horror movie before it stops being something you'd like comfortably label a horror movie rather than some sort of experimental or cross-genre or parody or... I don't know. I mean, like, this had probably less on-screen, like, stuff that we would say, yes, 100% horror movie in it than, like, maybe The Shining. Because, I mean, how much of The Shining is just, like, or, like, House of the Devil. Yeah. Like, how much of that is just, like, building dread from, like, almost mundane things because you know the context. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to say. Well, and the comparison I would make or the contrast I would draw versus those two is I feel like with both The Shining and House of the Devil, there's a sense that there's a constant build towards something. So those are films that to a significant extent, just defer the horror. House of the Devil in particular. I mean, we, we talked yeah. about that a lot when we watched it, and that's, I think, part of why we both liked it so much, is it really managed to spend two acts where literally nothing horrific happened. Like, it really just held off and held off and held off. Whereas The Shining, we get lots of little glimpses here and there, even though it sort of picks up at the end in terms of the, the sheer horror. Uh, but this this film does not do that. Like, it, it doesn't it doesn't use tension in place of horror reveals, and it doesn't really defer the horror very much. It like all of the stuff that's horror gets spread throughout and it's just there. It's just that the film doesn't try and stick with it. It doesn't try and keep uh, a super serious tone of tension about it. Instead, it just sort of moves from place to place and it's super playful. Um, and maybe that's part of the thing. Like it's I, there, there's a level of self-awareness and sort of like postmodern playfulness in this that I think – would make me want to lump it into that sort of uh, some of the contemporary stuff uh, that's been sort of like, you know, commentary about horror movie in notionally the form of a horror movie. But this doesn't have the overall feel of those. Like, it doesn't have sort of like the smirking self-awareness of like, yeah. you know, yeah, Cabin it's not in, like Scream or... Uh, yeah, Scream or Cabin in the Woods or, uh, you know, we just watched Final Girls. Have you seen that? I have not. You should watch it. I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if we should necessarily do it for the podcast because I don't know if we'd have a whole lot more to say about it after stuff like, you know, Scream and and, and uh, Cabin in the Woods. But it's in that sort of territory and it's a fun movie. Um, it uh, takes the premise that uh, a girl who's the daughter of a, of a Scream queen from uh, the 80s ends up inside of her mom's horror movie that's very much a Friday the 13th riff. Um so her and some friends end up inside the movie and then they're dealing very cannily with the fact that they are inside of a movie that they're familiar with and horror tropes that they're familiar with and sort of trying to puzzle out how to deal with being trapped in tight, inside the system of a slasher film. Hmm. Um, and it's 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 varyingly effective. I, I don't know if I think it's like uh, – I don't, I don't think it's quite as coherent and smart about sort of playing with the idea of horror films as maybe Cabin in the Woods was. But it's still a lot of fun and there's a bunch of goofy uh, things they do with it and there's some very laugh out loud like, you know, futzing with stuff. It's, it's much more uh, – you know, it's really a comedy despite also trying to have a little bit of melodrama and, and tension in it. And so it's, it's – I would say definitely see it. But it's, you know, it's another film where like there's – 
awareness of the film in it. It's just like it got a different feel versus these versus this film having the girls talking over the imagined B-roll of World War II and whatnot. In Final Girls, they end up in the movie, and at one point you see the title sequence from the movie, but they're standing in it, so they can sort of step to the side and around the giant floating block letters that are actually <laughs> right there in the world, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so it's a different sort of feel, but it's still got that sort of... But, you know, that that it's very much... It Final Girls is very much a, a modern film made by people who have not just watched horror films, but they've watched films getting all deconstructive about horror films and films about being self-aware about genre stuff. So it's like, it's, it's a very, there's a very modern sensibility to it that, uh, is in contrast to this. It feels so much more like just goofy and experimental, uh, for, you know, 1977. Yeah. Like if, if they, they don't, um, yeah, the girls don't definitely don't know they're in a horror movie. Yeah. But also if they did I don't know how much they would care? Yeah, because they're they're definitely like they they are able to just go back to like goofy to be goofing off and having fun after literally anything. Yep, like they I believe they continue to do it even after they find like Max Sever or well I guess until after Fantasy finds like Max Severed Head, but I, the rest of them don't believe them. Yeah, yeah, nobody else seems to believe anybody's dead until they're the one who's dying. Uh, and fantasy seems to just be willing to say, okay, well, <laughs> I guess if nobody else is freaked out, let's just keep having a nice vacation. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting film. Really interesting film. Uh, mm -hmm. I definitely want to sit down and watch again sometime. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow, but soon. And for the rest of my life. Um, that, was a, that was a little cinematic reference there for you. That's a little cinema humor. Bit of a it's also there. Dial Em for Murder, Cinema. right? <laughs> yes, yes. Starring Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> well, we should probably call it there because I feel like we've hit the point where we're desperately yeah. trying to think of what else we need to say, which is probably when we should stop talking. Which we're, yeah, I, th I think know. we've done a good job of covering this movie in as much time it took as to watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we nailed it there. We didn't take longer, so you know it wasn't it was a bad a, movie. Yeah, um, it, was a nice, it, was a, it was a nice compact 98 <laughs> minutes. 88 minutes? One of those two. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, next next time, uh, I think we're going to have a guest, and I think we're going to do uh, what were you talking about? I think it's called uh, our guest suggested this, and I uh, uh, probably more fun to keep the guest a mystery. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yes, but our our guest. It's my aunt. Uh, she lives in the country. I'm going to go visit her for the summer. <laughs> um, uh, Grave Encounters. It's a, oh, a right, right, found right. footage horror movie about a haunted psychiatric hospital. I am on board. It, yeah, it may not be good, but uh, it's Canadian. Ooh, sold. So it'll be slightly weird in that way that all Canadian media yes. is. Basically, uh, there'll be a, a moosehead. Somebody will mention somebody else being a minister. I'm liking but not I'm, in an English accent. I'm liking the distorted, distorted ghost face screenshots that seem to be what everybody wants to use as the point of reference for this film already. So uh, <laughs> yes, so yes, a couple weeks from now we'll 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 talk grave encounters. We'll have a guest on. We'll uh, discuss once more found footage because we haven't done that in a while and I'm willing to never shut up about it so that works out well. Uh, and yeah, in the meantime, hey, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. Yep. And, Good uh, episode. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Go poke the things on the things on the internet and uh, yeah, happy, happy filming. Happy filming.